What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I, I define League MX as a shooter shot league. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't with this inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a Club game? <laughs> like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> take that next step i think it's still undisputed that you have to go to europe he's gonna well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the no I look back at highlights that's, no that's, if you that's have the christian pulisic treatment though same we're gonna and... have to stop this we're gonna start arguing on this podcast aren't we hello hello and welcome to another episode of the ralph football show i'm lizzie u.s editor over at 90 min u.s covering north american football with me my co-host gino Ganello. how are you doing Good. How are you, Lizzie? I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful day in the world of soccer. Uh, the United States won two sure. games in the Nations League this week. So, you know, it's uh, things could be worse. Interesting. Um, yeah, things could be worse. You could be Mexico and you can draw 2-2 against Jamaica. But nevertheless, we will dive right into that later. USMNT, as you said, they won. They're doing good. How are you feeling? I uh, feel pretty good. I mean, you know, I mean, it's Grenada and El Salvador, but um, two wins against any opponents in Nations, Nations League are, are, is good. That's six points. They've clinched a spot in the final four. Um, so, I, you know, I'm excited about it. Um, I think that anytime you score seven goals in game, no matter who the opponent is, that's always a good sign. Um, they kept a clean sheet. Uh, Zendejas played some minutes. You know, it's really, I mean, I, I think it's all you could have they, asked they for. They kept for a clean part. sheet in the, in, against El Salvador, not against Granada. Sorry, yes. Keep a clean sheet against El Salvador. Yes, keep a clean sheet against El Salvador, seven goals against Granada. Um, again, what, I mean, what what else could you ask for, really? I mean, it's, it's best-case scenario. Um, Best case scenario for the United States, I think, just going in, getting two wins, putting out good squads. I, you know, obviously there's um, some things that that could always be better, but I think for the most part, everything everything looks pretty good. So I, I really yeah. have no complaints. That's just surprising. Yeah. Um, no, it was an interesting roster heading into the March international window. Obviously, we saw the integration of Gio Reyna, Alejandro Sendejas, Ricardo Pepe, Daryl Dyke. Who's all, who all came back. Um, Ricardo Pepe in particular made headlines after scoring against Granada and then coming in as a substitute against El Salvador and scoring within the first two minutes when it was at a 0-0 um, deadlock. So very interesting from him. And a lot of people were commenting on whether it was his comeback or you should have chosen me for the World Cup type statement for Greg Berhalter. And that is an interesting conversation. I think he's doing phenomenal in the Eredivisie, although his team's not particularly doing well. But he came back to international action and proved himself once again. Now, I know this is an old question, but I'll repeat it given his form now. Do you think 
the USMNT should have taken him to the World Cup? Um, yeah, so I, I I mean, I don't think they should have taken him to the World Cup in the first place because yeah. he wasn't performing tremendously well. He wasn't really, you know, on the top of his game. I mean, he, he was playing well in the Eredivisie, but I, I still think he needed some time. But now seeing him come back and get all the goals, um, all the goals uh, that he has gotten now and kind of have his confidence back and see him working with the players that would been that would be playing with him on a regular basis for this U.S. US men's national team, I, I think this is a very good step forward. And all you can do is go out there and score goals. Um and um, I think, you know, what else could you have asked from this this break? You know, this break. I mean, he he had to come out here and show us that he deserved the spot on the team, and he's done that. I mean, he couldn't have done any more than he's done. So um, I think that's I think everything's going to be great with him. I think he's on a good. I think he's on a good trajectory now, and um, hopefully, he continues to build on it. Obviously, there's just a lot of wary about the number nine position, but if Ricardo Pepe can keep scoring goals, then that would be a good thing for the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> it would be a good thing. I think it was an interesting roster given the turnaround. We only saw one MLS player feature in interim managers, Anthony Hudson's 26, I believe, or 24 player roster for the nation's league. And that was miles Robinson Jesus Ferreira didn't make um, the roster. Sean Johnson didn't make the roster. Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, a lot of MLS players who were shoo-ins for Greg Halter's rosters and who made it to the World Cup just failed to make it in the first roster out of that for a competitive game into Nations League. So there's definitely a question of whether they were good enough to make the World Cup roster, but now no longer good enough to make Nations League action. I know, obviously, it's a different manager, but the divide in visions from Anthony Hudson, given that he was an assistant to Greg Berhalter, is fascinating, I guess, on my end. Well, I don't see it as a divide in visions. I just see it as we're in the first international break, second international break games after World Cup, and now we're just trying to see who's out there and see what works and what doesn't work. I, I just think it's more of a, I mean, yes, it's Nations League. You want to win Nations League, but also kind of like, let's see what we have. I mean, Zendejas was a guy who obviously wasn't available for the World Cup. Let's get him out there. Let's see what we have. Um, I believe Miles Robinson is on this team, obviously injured for the World Cup. So, there, you know, I, I think it's more of, all right, we saw what we did in the World Cup. You know, we saw what some of these players have. Let's now see what some of this other pool has and start to sift through this and see what our next four years are going to look like. So, you know, I mean, there's some players I'm sure that not on this roster. I mean, the Jordan, Jordan Morris, uh, for one, um, that just weren't on this roster who in four years, honestly, Jordan Morris is going to be 32 years old. And I've had this conversation with our producer, Edwin. I don't think Jordan Morris deserves. I know he's playing really, really well in the MLS. He's playing extremely well in the MLS, but I don't think he deserves another opportunity with the U.S. men's national team moving forward in the next World Cup. And you know he'll get call-ups, of course. That's going to happen. But there would have to be a drastic change in form and skill and a bunch of things for me to say. Okay, Jordan Morris deserves to be on this next World Cup team. So 
I think it's just more trying to feel out the pool and see what works and what doesn't work and try and get a handle on it as we continue to navigate without a head coach or a sporting director. Well, I do want to point out, um, Alex Nendejas was available for the World Cup for you guys, um, and he's been available for the past years. It was Mexico he wasn't available for because he would have had to file FIFA's one-time switch. It wasn't so much that he was an undecided dual nationality player. It was the fact that he just simply wasn't receiving call-ups from the U.S. men's national team. He had gone through the ranks with the youth teams, but really didn't make the senior call-up until he became a conversation for Mexico. So that's I mean, I guess that's always been really interesting to me because he's seen like an upward trajectory with Club America and in Liga Mekis, but yet he was never called in for the senior roster in the American team until Mexico wanted him. So he was available for the World Cup. You guys just didn't want him at that point. Well, I mean, when you have such a big and wide variety of such talented oh my God. players... You need to just kind of pick and choose where you can bring players in. And you call up Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris. Listen, I didn't make the roster. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's Greg Berhalter made the roster. And we, I mean, we know the, you know, it's, I don't think it's really any, any, um, anything hidden that Greg does like some of the MLS guys a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I just think, I think, you know, now it's time to see what, you know, Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris are, are in my opinion, a part of the past U.S. men's national okay. team. And, and Alex and Dejas is now part of the future. And I think that's um, just, you know, it's it's just a matter of trying to figure out who fits in where. I mean, once we probably get Florian Balogun on the team and a couple other dual nationals, we'll question. probably. <laughs> I mean, we, we did. I beat you to the punch, Lizzie. You did, you did. Um, Anthony Hudson confirmed that he had contact with Balabon and Matt Turner as well mentioned that he's establishing a relationship with the player through Arsenal, but he remains undecided. Gareth Southgate, England manager's comments on him were basically like, we're absolutely not going to chase him. Um, not as much as the United States are. I thought it was kind of and I don't want to be too harsh, but I think it was kind of cowardly on his end to leave English youth squad with an injury and then travel to Orlando where the U.S. men's national team was training and then have a kind of press tour around different sports and attending um, the Yankees game, I believe it was in Orlando, and then Smart man. the Magic game and all of that. So I don't know. I think that was cowardly on his behalf and uh, – Somewhat taunting to a team saying, well, if you don't want me enough to feature on the senior team, call me. The United States will call me. And I think that's a game a couple of dual nationality players continue to sport, which is immature. You guys are so young. You'll get an opportunity. But if that means he'll join the U.S. men's national team, then have fun. I mean, I'll be honest. You are 21 years old. You're scoring. What does he have? 15 16 goals in Liga 1 and if that's how you pronounce it I don't know how to pronounce the yeah. French league um it's a top 5 league in the world as many consider I mean he should get some consideration and not the manager coming out and saying now nah, we're not going to chase him like I feel like that's like well, I mean I understand your point to, leave it. 
he was called into the youth team alongside a lot of England prospects. And I should also mention that though he is scoring several goals, he's still in a mid-table team. Like, I believe they're um, 12th. Again, on, I, yeah, but I mean, there's only so much he can do. I mean, he isn't 11 Right, players. but all I'm saying is I don't think you're at your last draw where England doesn't want you. They're still calling you up into the system, but you're probably not mature enough to understand that you're not going to make the senior roster at this point in time. So starting these games with, well, then I'll go with my ex or I'll go with the other person who wants me is, I guess, silly on his behalf. I'm not saying you're not allowed to explore any of the other opportunities, but to get off on a technicality and say I'm injured, but then fly off to the other half of the world and say I'm going to train here and do a media tour is, I don't know. I, I It doesn't sit well with me, but it says nothing about his sporting ability. So I guess I'm judging exterior rather than on the field. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could, you know, it, it's we probably shouldn't have left England camp um but he probably just shouldn't have ever played for england ever anyway you know they, you know why would you want to play for england when you can play for the united states we tied zero zero it's basically like the same team um no but i i think in yeah, the end i genuinely I, I genuinely do believe though that his prospects with the england national team were going to be minimal at best moving forward anyway i mean there's just so much young talent in england that I, you know, it's hard to break into that team. And if the United States is the benefactor of a young, talented striker going uh, and and coming to the United States because England has a bunch of prospects, that's fine with me. Again, he probably shouldn't have left England youth camp. He probably should have stayed it out. But, I mean, if he felt that that was the right decision and he this is what he needed to do, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think... No matter what, I want Florian Balogun on the United States men's national team. But I do agree with you that he probably should have waited it out. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think, you know, he was he was at the game yesterday, from what I understand. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of promise in the United States camp right now that he is going to come to them. And if England keeps kind of just being like, whatever then I think the United States has a really good shot at getting them, which is is going to be great for them. And, you know, I know we ha we were just talking about Ricardo Pepe, but competition is good. And if we have two players who are firing at top levels of their game and scoring goals, then there's worse things to happen for the United – in Europe, there's worse things to happen for the United States men's national team. Yeah, I think it'll also be interesting once the United States develop an actual long-term project. As we know, Anthony Hudson continues to be an interim manager and the search for a permanent replacement remains ongoing with Greg Berhalter not ruled out as being another option. So once Anthony Hudson, who we have also revealed, has offers from across the pond to be head coach elsewhere, once he departs, I think the whole project will shift into something else. I'm not saying better or worse or more interesting, but I do think there's going to be a shift because every head coach brings in their own style. So whether he fits into that project or whether Balagun likes that project is a toss-up, but it'll definitely be interesting. I think should it be Greg Berhalter, we know what we're in for. But as yeah, you said... I mean, we're 
they're scoring goals now, which is nice. <laughs> so, you know, I think if think what happens is if Anthony Hudson doesn't get a if Anthony Hudson moves on or and Greg Berhalter or Greg Berhalter comes back, and they don't score goals and they look for lack of better term, like crap for, you know, the first few games, like it's going to be a lot of questions around Greg Berhalter. So we'll see what happens, but um, for right now, I think things are going fine. I mean, they did what they needed to do. So now it's just about um, continuing to look for a coach and that won't happen for another few months. So it's, you know, it, it'll, I, I think they won't come to a decision on either the coach or the GM for another few months. So it's now just about continuing to develop what, they're developing in players and checking out the player pool and then going from there. Yeah. And as you said, so the United States won both their national team um, nations league games. So they've advanced the final four for June and Mexico has as well, just not with as much, I guess, ease, even though I will say like beyond Ricardo Pepe's goal against El Salvador, the team did not look good. Um, It was a deadlock. It was, it was, I don't know, mediocre at, at best, but nevertheless, a goal gets you through, even if it's a. Oh, Salvador's win. a talented team in this in this. They in this are very talented. We love them. We also <laughs> love Jamaica. They are also very talented, as we saw on Sunday night. Jamaica, um, not so much. I mean, you don't anybody think? Are you? Jamaica you don't think Jamaica's talented? No, I do well, think Jamaica's okay. talented. I, I hate playing talented. Talented. Jamaica. Genuinely, genuinely, mm-hmm. I hate playing Jamaica. Every yeah, time they're play a them. team to play against. They have Premier League talent. Um, obviously, he's injured at the moment, but Andre Blake is a phenomenal goalkeeper, one of the best, and he's been there. So they're never an easy team to play. They usually have that grip um, on them, and they play to win. And that was the case on Sunday for Mexico. They came out strong, and I'm sorry. I forget his name, but the goal within the first seven minutes of the game, there was – there's nothing you can do with those types of goals. That was a stunning golazo from Jamaica in minute seven. And Mexico starting out with a, like the 1-0 scoreline was terrible and obviously insinuated and inspired all the booze. But it was a phenomenal goal. Jorge Sanchez, Guillermo Chua could have done absolutely nothing to save that. So we, that's forgivable. And then, I mean, their second goal came from Edson Alvarez, one of our own. So... Um, that was a that was a difficult draw, but then Orbelin Pineda and Chucky Lozano came out with their own goals and offset those efforts. A two-two draw, which makes us part of the final four, but not the best outcome for the tournament. As now the United States and Mexico will confront each other in the semifinals, I believe, pending Canada's result tonight against Honduras. But it's looking like the two will face each other in the semifinal instead of the final, as previously expected. Well, you know, not all of us can be top of our group, best ever, possibly, who knows, uh, Nations League champs, you know, it's just not all of us can have that. It's just, oh, yeah. it's part of the, yeah, all, all of us are busy making it into every edition <laughs> of the World Cup. So it, it's, it's part, it's part Priority. of just being a United States men's soccer fan. I mean, United States soccer fan mm-hmm. in general, women's soccer as well. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get into the women's team because I admire that squad so much. And yes, they are the best in the world, the consecutive World Cup champions, which we'll get into because the World Cup is coming Hopefully up three in, in a row in Australia 
in yes. July. So that's very exciting. Um, and yes, I do admire the women's national team. The men's, however, are a completely different side. So continue. Uh, let me listen. I mean, it's never good. What I will say is from a neutral soccer perspective, you're definitely getting U.S.-Mexico now. It's like if they were playing in the Final Four, you never know if you're going to get them. One of them could lose in the in the semifinals, and then they'd have, they wouldn't play each other in the final. It's always good to have Mexico-U.S. soccer games, especially for the uh, popularity of the sport here in the United States. And What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know, obviously, um, the rivalry between Mexico and the United States. Um, obviously, it, it's... What I think is it's not great, a great game to come off of for the, for the Mexican national team. Um, you know, they come back and they come and they get off of the World Cup and the exit from the World Cup, the disappointing exit. And they, you know, play CONCACAF Nations League. They win 2 nothing in the first match against, you know, Suriname. And then they come and they tie 2-2 against, again, a difficult Jamaican team, but a Jamaican team that probably should be uh, should be beatable. Um, a team that lacked Mikel Antonio and Andre Blake, for example, um, on their uh, you know in their starting lineup. So definitely not the result you want to go into the semifinals with or out of a break with. But at the same time, I, I think that you know it, it's it, we're. Is still in the feeling out process. In my personal opinion, the first two years after World Cup, they're important, but they're not necessarily the most important. Yes, you want to win Nations League, CONCACAF Gold Cup. You want to win your friendlies, this, that, and the other thing. But they're more about finding out what we have moving forward. And so yeah, for the Mexican national team, go ahead. No, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I agree in that sense going into what is the new national team head coach, Diego Coca. Um, these were his first two games in charge as the national team head coach. So beyond the path, like the forward two years after the world cup, it was also his first opportunity to see these players coach these players. And he did mention in um, pre-match press conferences that with a lot of these guys, it was a high, nice to meet you basis. He mm -hmm. hadn't previously coached them in Liga Mekis and a lot of them came from Europe. So he doesn't interact with them once he travels around Mexico looking at these games. So yeah, the pressure is on for the Ococa to perform well with the national team, given what um, Gerardo Martino did during the World Cup in the previous years. But yeah, it's all about getting to know these guys. And he did so with Suriname and Jamaica. He played 
with a completely different team. I know a lot of people can say it was the B team against Suriname, but putting in new players, giving them debuts, obviously welcoming back Santi Jimenez, which is, I guess, the Mexican version of Ricardo Pepe when it comes to players who missed out on the World Cup. And players doing really well in the Eredivisie because Santi Jimenez obviously plays for Feyenoord, top of the league, scoring all their goals. So kind of that Mexican equivalent. But yeah, he's getting to know these players. There's a lot of rotation and it was more so about that. And I don't want to put excuses because absolutely not. But there was a torrential downpour during that game against Jamaica to the point where they paused the game at minute 30 for like a 20 minute break because it was like literal thunderstorms. And it sounds weird, but the rain in Mexico, like when it rains, like it is heavy rain. It's not like this drizzle in Miami where it's like so stretched out, but it's just drizzling. Like, no, if you saw that transition, it was a torrential downpour. So I'm just crazy. looking at Edwin and Edwin's just like, you gotta be kidding me. Come on. Look what are we talking pictures. about right now? Look at the pictures. Both teams had to play under the same conditions. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's an excuse. All I'm saying is that they're not optimal yeah. conditions for good football. I, I will be the first to say we should have won that game. No excuses there. Simply not. Listen, I mean, I think it was perfectly fine for you just to say Jamaica is a good team. Like I think Jamaica is a good team. I think Jamaica is a good team. I think I think Jamaica could beat any of the top three teams in Concacaf on any given. I agree. Game. Like I genuinely, I genuinely think that because the thing with Jamaica is they never like quit. It always seems like they're just like out there and they never get tired. They're just always like sprinting up and down. Like they put in a lot of work. And so I I think, (laughs) I think that this Jamaican team, they're good. I mean, granted, no, was it the optimal um, weather conditions for a good game of football? No, of course not. Um, But at the same point, you know, I think it would have been okay. It's not a, I don't think it's embarrassing to lose to Jamaica. It's embarrassing. No, it's not. And we didn't even lose. We drew. Um, I did yeah. find or like, yeah, draw to make it, yeah. Yeah, but so they have of their starting eleven, they had three Premier League players, three Championship players, three MLS players, one in USL, which was the goalkeeper, did a phenomenal job towards the end, made two very important saves, which I guess would have changed the narrative of the game overall. But phenomenal um, performance from him, and then one player who plays in the Russian Premier League. So. Overall, I wouldn't say they are, and apologies to the following rosters, but they're not a Granada, they're not a Suriname, they're not Honduras. Like, these are solid rosters. I don't think anybody is, I don't even think anybody in Honduras or Suriname or any of those countries are going to sit here and say, you know, these, you know, I can't believe this person said we don't have a side. Like, nobody's expecting to go in and beat the United States or beat Mexico or, None of those teams are going to expect that. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, but yeah, I, again, Jamaica definitely has a good roster. As we know, I you know I think when you look at the Concacaf on Concacaf at Concacaf, you could say that obviously the top three teams three teams are always going to be Canada or are going to be for the most part Canada, Mexico, and the United mm-hmm. States. But on any given day, Jamaica, Costa Rica, or Panama can beat any of those three teams or tie any of those three teams. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, not unrealistic to believe because they all have talented players. So, you know, again, it's not, again, a, a draw is a draw. It's CONCACAF Nations League. I don't 
this was a draw in CONCACAF Nations League, the year of a World Cup, maybe we'd have a problem. But, you know, or right. if this was a draw I'm, against Jamaica, you know, maybe you'd be like, okay, we got some concerned. issues to figure out. But it's, it's, we're three months after the last World Cup. I think, you know, it's just about feeling things out, especially for the Mexican national team. And, you know, I think they had some good and had some bad. And that's natural for, for the situation that yeah. they're dealing with. I will say, I think from yesterday's showing by El Salvador and Sunday's Jamaica performance, CONCACAF is improving constantly. And I'm not even talking about those three big, like you mentioned, obviously Mexico, Canada, and the United States, but the neighboring countries are improving constantly. And no one benefits more than the United States, Mexico, and Canada from the improvement yeah. of Honduras, El Salvador, Jamaica. The more competition, the better, even if it does mean these difficult or like fought after victories or draws because yeah. you have international tournaments coming up we have Copa america obviously in the united states in 2024 and should the united states mexico and canada ease through concacaf you arrive at Copa america against south american countries and you shock and you stun and you lose so what's the point of that and to a certain extent what's the point of easing through a concacaf tournament for another trophy if you're not learning and challenging yourself to a certain extent. Again, I'm not minimizing that Mexico should have beaten Jamaica. They definitely should have, and that should have been a better showing. Yeah. However, I do think overall in the long term, it's it's an improvement, and it's a good thing for everybody involved. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on this as we wrap up this topic is the reason, like as much as a lot of people probably don't want to agree with it or believe it, the reason a lot of CONCACAF is getting better is obviously because of T League MX has, has been good, but the improvements MLS has made over time has allowed a lot of these CONCACAF players to get recognition in a league that is featuring some young, featuring a lot of younger players, has a lot of talent in it, and is growing to become a more competitive league. And, and I, in my personal opinion, from what I've watched this season, I, I've really enjoyed the soccer I've seen in MLS, and that's only benefiting CONCACAF because those players will get better in this competition, the MLS, as they do in Liga MX, and they will go overseas, and more of these players from Honduras, El Salvador, whatever it may be, Panama, Costa Rica, are going to get recognition in the MLS and get transferred to bigger teams or whatever. It's going to happen, and they're going to have more players that are of quality on their teams, which is only going to make the league better. So it's been really, really good um, seeing the growth of CONCACAF over the past, you know, few months and some speaking about mls they were one of the very few leagues who didn't stop for international action mls saw it through this weekend and certain teams delivered while others suffered without i believe six players that otherwise would have made up the starting 11 like atlanta united who lost 6-1 to the columbus crew um yeah obviously without yes. miles robinson Almada, and so many Araujo, so many other players. Um, Gonzalo Pineda was definitely not happy to have MLS go through on international action, but you know, catch us up. Yes. So, I mean, let's start with the Atlanta game. I understand your point. There are six teams basically that, um, or five teams that had six or more players who were um, not on their roster due to, you know, uh, international break um, commitments. In fairness to Columbus Crew, let's not 
mince words here when it comes to Columbus Crew. Yes, like listen, they, they didn't take on Atlanta's best team. It it was without Almada and without significant players. But Columbus Crew was also missing Cucho Hernandez, Lucas Zellerayan, who are top players right, but, for Columbus as well. So. But I do want to say injury is very, very different than international action, which you don't have time to prepare for. It just changes the scope of things. No, I, I agree. I agree. But at the same point, I just feel like, I mean, this is an Atlanta team that still had attacking power in it. Um, I, you know, I, I agree that you can't, you, you got to take everything this week with a grain of salt. But <laughs> yeah. at the same point, I think that 6 1 is a pretty bad result, no matter who yes. you have on the pitch. I mean, we did see two teams who lost a bunch of players in Orlando City and Philadelphia Union go after it. They both lost, I think, six or seven players. And um, Orlando City beat Philadelphia Union. There are other teams who are facing these issues. So, um, listen, Columbus Crew had a phenomenal match. They handed Atlanta their, their worst loss of their history, I believe it is. It was. Four players got their first goal ever in MLS. So, um, I think we do have to give some credit to them. But, of course, the international break is is causing all sorts of craziness in MLS this week and 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 listen it's like I said you got to take everything with a grain of salt so just to wrap up kind of or just go through what some of the other results were in the MLS this past weekend um Seattle Sounders had a 4-1 win over uh Sporting KC who continues to struggle Jordan Morris four we love goals. Jordan Morris we love Jordan Morris with four goals and his beautiful blonde hair and um <laughs> and um, so, yeah, Jordan Morris had four goals, which was a, a record for a Seattle player, first player to do it on the road since Clint Mathis for the Metro Stars. Other important results, as I mentioned, Orlando City beat Philadelphia, who continues to struggle. Inter-Miami fell to Chicago, who won their first match of the year. Um, yes, thank you, Inter-Miami, uh, for in, being the first two literally bow down to Chicago Fire, a historically bad team in MLS. Thank you, Phil Neville, for once again proving me right. Um, I will say, you know, Miami saw some phenomenal goals. Um, Franco Negri was phenomenal strike. However, it wasn't enough. So sad tear. Yes, phenomenal strike by by Negri. That I mean, you can go look at that. We'll have top, he, you know, he's one of the top five goals of the week, just to tease it. Um, but is he number one? Who knows? But is he um, um, but yes, fantastic goal by him. But Inter Miami continues to struggle without. Um, I believe it's Gregory. I think that's what it, that's they say in the broadcast. So that's what I'm going with. Um, they continue to struggle. Uh, Noel Buck got or Noel Buck got the game winner for New England. 17 year old kid star for them. Who's who's coming up in that in that team and and a player to look out for for sure. Um, Cincinnati won one, nothing. Brandon Vasquez actually gets on the score sheet for the first time this season against uh, Nashville. Um, yeah, finally gets on the score sheet, um, which is good for him. That's a, that's a, you know, something that needs to be done and, and, and he needs to just get back in form now and get back to what he was doing at the end of last season. And then I think, uh, another two more notable ones, Austin and Colorado, they tie Austin continues to struggle Downward even against spiral. bad teams downward spiral and um st louis they just i i, I could be here all day listing the re records st louis broke this past week again so yeah um, uh they went four nothing over Rousseau lake on the road that's your mls wrap. 
another great win. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of action that probably shouldn't have happened this weekend. Um, yeah. Wait next, next Saturday. But nevertheless, great goals. Check out our goals of the week if you missed out on the action while you were probably watching international action as you should be. And yeah. also this weekend, which you probably should have been watching, NWSL is back. And yes, NWSL is back. It is back, and yep. we're very excited. Um, my favorite goal of the weekend was Alyssa Thompson for Angel City, scoring an absolute stunning goal. It was she scored, I believe it was 11 minutes into her professional career. Um, this is her debut season with and with Angel City and NWSL. And she scored just 11 minutes into that. There's no telling what the 18-year-old can do. She's already been included in a U.S. Women's National Team camp. So that's very exciting from her. What was your favorite part? Well, I think Portland Thorns, who I'm pretty sure, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, were the champions last year in the uh, in mm. the NWSL. They got off to a hot start, four nothing over the Orlando Pride. Didn't really make uh, a meal of it. They basically went in there and dominated that whole game. Um, another notable part of the weekend was that Mal Swanson cannot stop scoring goals. Um, okay. She scores again. She gets a penalty kick to get on the board for Chicago Red Stars. But um, San Diego Wave beat um, beat them by way of an Alex Morgan penalty. So a little U.S. Women's penalty off there in the uh, in the uh, in that match. Um, but I think the goal I can't pronounce her name correctly, probably. But the goal from from I think it's 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 maybe Miley or Millie uh, Geji um, from the North Carolina Courage. She fired from outside the box and found the inside corner uh, of the net uh, to give them a one nothing lead in the 23rd minute. And they beat Kansas City, who had a very good season last year. Yeah. So um, I think that's a notable one for the North Carolina Courage. And then we got to give some love to Gotham City FC over we here. Gotham, Gotham FC, um, they get a win with, after a very difficult season last year. They go and they beat Angel City 2-1. Um, so give love to the, uh, you know, the, 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 the girls from the Tri-State. Yes. Um, and before we wrap up, I just want to name two players I'm most excited about watching this season before. Now, obviously, I've mentioned her goal, but Alyssa Thompson is one I'm particularly looking forward to see how she develops and how her trajectory continues. And Sophia Smith, who yes. is a figure for the Portland Thorns. She was phenomenal last season, tied Alex Morgan, I believe, for the golden boot and she's quickly becoming an integral part of the u.s women's national team as they pre um, prepare for the women's world cup so two very young figures which yeah. i'm particularly excited to see yes i would i would like to jump in there sophia smith and sam coffee on that portland thorns team is going to be a connection we are going to see for a very long time and a connection we're not only going to see on the club level but at the international level as well so those two players right there will be phenomenal. I'm excited to see if Mal Swanson can keep this up. She's been literally lighting it up for like what feels like the past six months. Like, I feel like she cannot stop scoring. So that's going to be huge for the Chicago Red Stars um, if she can keep that up. Um, so I'm excited to see if she can, she can keep grinding there and, and keep getting those goals. I mean, right now it looks like a lot of um, – a lot of U.S. Women's National Team players are, are firing on all cylinders heading into this Women's World Cup. And a special shout-out to one of my favorite players, Rose Lavelle. 
Love Rose Lavelle. Um, Go get her. <laughs> talking about U.S. Women's National Team, um, head coach Vladko Andonovsky announced the 26-player roster for two friendlies ahead, um, ahead of the Women's World Cup against the Republic of Ireland. It is the final international friendlies for the American team before the Women's World Cup. So it's very exciting to see who's named, who's given a chance. And back on the roster is Julie Ertz. Um, she is not currently with a team, but she is back. Julie Ertz. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a phenomenal player, a player who's been a kind of staple of this U.S. women's national team. Um, this is U.S. women's national team for a while now. She's, she's yeah. a, you know, a, a, a significant piece in that, in that defense. It's interesting to see her. She, again, like you mentioned, she does not have a team. So it's interesting to see her included in this squad. But, um, it'll, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to just see what, she looks like you know what, what what kind of shape she's in what yeah. what she looks like on the pitch and see if she can contribute anything to this team moving forward as i mentioned she is a player who has tons of experience at this level so for a, a probably a relatively young us women's national team off the top of my head from what we're used to uh this is going to be i think she's she's a good experience piece to kind of have around the team as they head into this women's world cup yeah, balance between these new figures and the veterans. But that's all from us. Subscribe and follow on 90 Min US, um, 90 Min USA, and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay updated on Real Football Show episodes. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.